Hello and welcome again to another episode of Cocktail Conceit, the podcast where two Midwestern bartenders make each other listen or watch or ingest a media that one of them has not seen and the other one loves dearly. (laughs) And we see how that goes. I think ingest is the right is the right phrasing. We should just say that from now in, on. Ingest. Ingest the media. In, let me just shove <laughs> let me shove it down your throat. <laughs> Make you frog rob this media. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly. Uh, my name is Adam Haskins. I am a bartender in Columbus, Ohio. And my name is Logan Redden and I am a bartender and events coordinator in Evans, Indiana. And that gets easier and easier to say every time we do this, which is a good thing. Uh, so, uh, Logan, what yes. did we ingest this week? <laughs> this week we ingested um, an album that is... Okay, so I'll be completely frank. This is not an album specifically that's very dear to my heart, but this is a band that's very dear to my heart. We uh, we listened to Beat the Champ by a band called The Mountain Goats. Yes. Oh. Have... oh, oh, Logan, yes. I'm sorry. I uh, Where are my manners? Uh, what are you drinking oh. today? Oh, I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah, you're right. That's you're, that's a very good point. I am <laughs> drinking um, an ancho margarita, which is a margarita with an ancho pepper syrup that I made myself. Oh, wow. That's a really nice color. That's a really nice glass. Thank you. Yeah, this is one of the glasses. I'm going to hold it up to the... It's not for the audience oh, saying it's for Adam's yeah. sake. I have two of these, and I've got them because these are two glasses that you got for the bachelor party that we went yeah, to. Yeah, I bought those glasses in Nashville. <laughs> nice. I'm really glad to have these. I have another set of them that are well. There's what there's a set of two that are like this, and then a set of four that are different, and a set of two that are different. And I like using this set the most because they just I don't know they just look nice. Those those do uh, look like nice. They also match like let's see this glass, and then I have a rocks glass set that I found oh, yeah, at a all, thrift place here, like, and they're very similar. Yeah, they have similar like crystally happy. designs. Yeah, I um, Allie mentioned this while she was in town, but apparently all of my uh, partially my glass or but also all of my um uh plateware has the look of like grandma plateware <laughs> and i'm a hundred percent okay with that that's, yes that's a good that's a good aesthetic to cultivate yeah i'm pretty pretty solid with that because i've gotten almost all my glassware from thrift stores because you can find surprisingly decent shit at thrift stores dude yeah like like pro tip if anyone out there is looking for some cool like just a few cool glasses for their own house mm-hmm. thrift stores have cool glasses yeah for, if you're lucky you really can eat. cheap no like legit i bought like eight wine glasses for i don't know like five bucks like and if i bought that at any like actual if i bought brand new set it would have cost me like at least like 30 bucks oh yeah anywhere else like at least and i got like some pretty cool looking stuff um most of it matches like i actually got a couple different sets so like it's a pretty good deal like you should just do that Whenever I go to thrift stores, even if like I'm not there to like look for glassware, the first thing I do is go to the glassware section because yep. like what if there's something cool there? And I find cool glassware so often that I wish I needed glassware or had right. any use because I have a small uh, collection of glassware and I don't have hardly any use for any of it. Yep. I barely use any of mine. Like, I don't really drink yeah. wine that often, so I almost never use my wine glass set. But it's nice to have if, like, you know, I got friends over and yeah, you know, we, is, have, we open a true. bottle of wine, then, you know, you just have it. And then I really like all the uh, all of the nice cocktail glasses that I have because I can use them, you know, if I make a cocktail for myself that's, you know, anything other than, like, a whiskey sour, and then I can just, like, put it in a nice glass. And yeah. I, I feel fancy. 
Anyway, Adam, what are you drinking? Well, uh, my my drink comes in a in a small ceramic mug, because uh, once again <laughs> I'm drinking a hot toddy, which uh, as <laughs> since we took a while to chat is uh, a room temperature toddy again. <laughs> once again, a room temperature toddy. My glass, my uh, margarita is actually still pretty cold after I shook it, so. That's it's not like cold, cold, but it's like it's pretty decent. Okay, so like uh, as you were saying, uh, we are listening to the album "Beat the Champ" by the Mountain mm-hmm. Goats. Uh, my history with this is that I listened to it for the first time this week. Nice. And <laughs> that's what we're, that's what we're aiming for, Adam. That's what we're aiming for. Yeah. What is uh? Tell me a little bit more about your history with like the Mountain Goats and then this album more specifically. Okay, so I, I've been listening to Mountain Goats for a while. Um, I think the first time I ever heard them, um, and this I didn't even realize this until I'd been listening to them a couple of years um, when I finally like rediscovered them in college, but they uh, they had a few songs on the uh, Adult Swim show called Moral Oral. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. Oh, yeah, I saw like an episode of that. <clears throat> Found it weird, so, weird looking. I was creeped out by it. It's very weird. It's like a claymation style. Yeah, but, um, which I found so, very disturbing visually. <laughs> It is very disturbing. It's actually, it's been a while since I've seen it, um, but I remember it being like a pretty decent show. It deals with like some really heavy, this is like the premise of the show is basically that it's a, it's about a young kid in a religious community who is a very wholesome kid, but despite the fact that he's in a very religious community, all the adults are actually like terrible fucking people, according to, you know, whatever tenets of Christianity they they claim to be a part of like his his parents are very dysfunctional like his dad's an alcoholic and his mother is kind of a control freak and there's a whole the whole thing on it um but anyway in the second season of that um it delves a lot more into his parents relationship and they play several songs from another mountain goats album called tallahassee which is specifically about a alcoholic couple living in Tallahassee when we'll probably listen to this at some point because I really, really like that album a lot. Um, but it's specifically about an alcohol couple that lives in Tallahassee and their like deteriorating like relationship. Um, and you, just how they like are coping with their relationship with alcohol and stuff. It, it, yeah. it sounds, it sounds not, that was my fucking cat. Oh my god, he scared the shit out of me. What did he do? He jumped from the floor onto the big locker next to my desk. I didn't know he could even do that. <laughs> I've only seen him jump from my desk to the locker before. All right, Toby, you gotta not be up there because you're gonna jump down at some point. It's gonna make a lot of fucking noise. I gotta get my cat. Okay, down. We, we, let's pause for a quick cat snatching. Just, just, gonna... just stand up real quick and grab your cat. I'm gonna snatch that cat. You mean to actually pause? No, no, it's act. fine. It's fine. No, it's not worth that. It's, it's not worth it. Gotta... And if not, it's actually kind of funny. So, yeah. and fun fact, my headphone cord is long enough that I don't even need to unplug it. Oh, fantastic! Hey, Toby, you're real cute, but you gotta not be up here, okay? You gotta not be up here. Cool. Good job, buddy. I'm proud of you for jumping that high, though. That's really impressive. Yeah, no, he's a uh, consistently figuring out. Uh, how high he can jump now now that he's getting bigger oh yeah and every time i think that he's figured out exactly all the places he can get to (laughs) i learned that there's another place that he's found out about (laughs) and the last time this happened he uh he found out he could jump onto my mantle and knocked off a half a fifth of evan williams onto the ground and it shattered everywhere oh that's a that's a bummer (laughs) it was a bad time 
because I had to grab him so he wouldn't jump on the floor and cut the shit out of himself on the glass. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's a fun time. He's uh, he's adorable though. He's he's it's totally worth it. Totally totally worth it. I love him. Uh, okay, so once you but heard anyway. uh, a couple songs from uh, that album Tallahassee, did yes. you go to the Mountain Goats then, or did you only? No. Um, and I actually didn't even realize. So I I found out about them then, and I remember liking those songs. They were very. The two song I, I forget exactly which two songs they picked, but the two songs that they picked are very, very intense songs, um, very like emotionally driven. But, and I didn't really think about it because this was this was back in high school. I think before it was like right around the time my mom got dial up internet, so I didn't even have like a oh. good way to like figure this shit out. Yeah, I just happened to hear it. I'm like, that's a like I remember in the moment watching the scenes in Moral Oral when they were playing, and it was very impactful. Um, but so I didn't think about it or even consider Mountain Goats for a really long time. I didn't even know the name of the band at the time. Um, I might have seen it like in the credits or something, but I, I, there was no like recollection in my head of a band named the Mountain Goats that sings X song that I saw on thing. Okay, um, so when did you eventually like find them? So when I eventually found them was when I was in college. I think it was um, my sophomore year. I started getting really into YouTube and one of the YouTube peoples that I got into was the vlog brothers, um, who are super established. Um, but one of the vlog brothers, um, uh, John, John and Hank green. Yeah. John and Hank green, John green really, really, really likes the mountain goats. Like it's legit his favorite band. He'll talk about them to death. Um, and, um, so I was hearing that, I was hearing him talk about it a little bit and like watching some vlog brother stuff. And then, decided to listen to mountain goats and got their newest album and listened through all that and really enjoyed it a lot. And then like over the next year or so I delved deeper into it. And then I got to that album those songs were from, and I'm like, these sound really, really familiar. And I didn't even realize that I had heard them before. I just listened to the album and immediately like clicked. I'm like, man, this is like, sounds so familiar. I don't know where I know this from. And it literally took me a good year before I figured it out. Because I was just like watching Adult Swim at one point, and they just happened to play like a moral oral episode, and then it just kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, oh, wait, really? <laughs> like I've I've known about the, like I've known about this band like in quote like I've like theoretically known about this band for way longer than I thought I did, and could have introduced myself to it way sooner. And I think honestly, man, that would have been ah uh, if I if I had known about the Mountain Goats basically like two full years earlier than I actually, no, not even two, like almost like four years earlier than I did. That probably would have had a huge effect on my life, honestly. Cause I think their music is, I don't know. It, it has a lot of depth to it. Yeah. Like not just like, I, I wouldn't say like um, necessarily like, like music, like instrumentally. Um, Cause they're pretty, they're a folk band. Like they're not, they get they get better in their later albums, and I think this is a better example of them pulling in a lot more instrumentation and like experimenting a lot more. Um, okay, but I could never say that they're like a they're not like instrumental geniuses. But the thing that keeps them together is that their lead singer and songwriter John O'Neill is probably one of the greatest modern songwriters that I can think of at all. Like someone who's still making music today who's been making music for, you know, most of the last like 20, 30 years. Um, he lyrically is just one of the best, best songwriters I can even think of. Um, 
and he has like a very interesting sound to his voice. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, the, the stories he tells are like he's he's not just a songwriter. He like blurs that line where he is like borderline like poet songwriter. Yeah, I don't know. I I could go on. Anyway. Yeah, I could definitely see that with like the style of lyrics that these songs have. Yeah, there's <clears throat> and. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, I, I've listened to Mountain Goats off and on for a long time. I've listened to most of their more their newer stuff, because they've been around since the, I don't know, like early 90s, like at the very least. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they've been they've been making music for a really, really long time. Um, <clears throat> and it's been a really long history of it, too, because um, so it, John is the only consistent member. Um Ah, okay. He's the only one that's been a member since the very beginning. So really, Mountain Goats is kind of a moniker that he goes under. Um, the the most modern iteration of what he has, like I think it's him and his current lead basses are the two longest running now, and they've been together since um, I think the late '90s. I'm not sure exactly the right date. I have to look at like information on Wikipedia. I know that they've been together for. It's going on like 20 years now that those two specifically have been playing together. Oh, okay. And they pulled in a drummer around, I think, 2004, and it's been that same drummer since then. And then they pulled in a couple other people here and there to play other instruments. Um, so it it's mostly John. Um, in the last 15, 20 years, it's been the same, like, three people. And then they bring in, I think there's another person who plays um, a lot of their brass and trumpet and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I... woodwinds and... Yeah, I think he also, I think he also plays um, a lot of keyboard when John plays guitar, um, because if if John's not playing lead guitar like acoustic, or he, I think he plays electric sometimes, but I think most time it's actually the bassist who plays the electric guitar. Um, not that I know exactly, but uh, if he's not playing lead guitar, he's playing keyboard or piano, and then the other person will play something else. Or if he's playing guitar during a piano heavy song that the other person's playing piano. So it usually bounces out pretty well. But anyway, um, I know a lot about Mountain Goats. I've seen them probably the most times of any band that I like. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't 100% go see them again. Probably will in the next year or two. Um, but yeah. So. Okay, so talk, talk to me then about uh, mm-hmm. this album, specifically Beat the Champ. Because, okay, I, now knowing that they <clears throat> have uh, been a thing since like the mm-hmm. 90s, it makes it puts a, this album in a different perspective because this one came out mm. in like 2015. Yeah, this is one of their newest releases. They've actually only put out two newer records than this one. Um, they released one uh, two years after this called Goths, which I also really like a lot, and I would. I is probably another one that I will recommend us listening to. Um, and then their newest one is um, In League with Dragons, which I have not listened to a lot, so I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. Um, I don't I don't think I like it as much as a lot of their other stuff that they put out. It's, it's the first album that they used um, a lot of studio musicians for. Yeah, which I did notice when listening through this that like the instruments that were 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 changing a lot from song to song. Yeah, they, so they they've been doing a lot of studio stuff for um, instruments that John and the main members can't play. Um, and then they have a, a live person who plays several of them for that, for like the effect, like trumpets and a lot of horns and sax and stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they've been doing that for a lot of like 
horn and orchestral kind of sounding stuff. Um, but more recently, like in Liquid Dragons is the first one they used um, studio musicians for the parts that they already could play. So instead of John being the one who makes up the riffs and the the guitar part, guitar lead parts, they have a studio guitarist who does it. Um, and usually it'll be in line with like what John would probably want, but like maybe something he can't play as well. I there's a podcast that he's on that he's talked about a little bit of like the idea of why he decided to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it, is, like, it gives it a very different sound, I think. Yeah. Um, and we'll see if they keep doing it or not. Um, and I, like I said, I still, I haven't listened to that album as much. Um, I don't think it's on par with, because they were honestly on a really good run. Like, it's like not to say that every album they've ever put out is good, um, but Goths, Beat the Champ, the one right before Beat the Champ is Transcendental Youth, mm-hmm. um, is also a really, really good album. That's the first, one of the first albums they're really heavy in um, horns and brass and orchestral that ska that ska kind of sound yeah that that kind of like well it's not even it's kind of ska but not not, i don't know if i would exactly describe it as that but um but yeah kind of sort of um and they've they've done it in previous there's like i think the i'm trying to remember what the one before that was uh i can't remember off the top of my head i really like that one a lot though anyway i i like a lot of their albums and they've they've put out consistently good albums probably for the last like 10 years almost um and then in league with dragons is probably the first dip that i've really felt and i mean it's it's kind of fresh so i mean i'll probably still listen to it because it literally came out like earlier this year so oh okay i can't uh i think i'll probably just sit on it a little bit longer because even um and i'll probably get into it more as we talk about this album um so i've listened i've listened to this album when it came out um and i've always liked this album and i really like the theming on this album and i really like I think it's probably one of the best Mount Goods albums that has a strict theme. It's like um, it's like a concept album. Mo- mo- yeah, exactly. And he's done a lot of them before. He's had several concept albums, and they're all usually his best. Um, although there's one of his albums that I think is probably my favorite that is not a concept album, not explicitly at least. Like it has some theming that carries over from song to song. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have a overarching like concept like this one does um because i think even though there is an overarching concept for this album not every song has the same level of reference or um theming for that motif or that that like concept but when you think about them in the context of that concept they are more impactful as i was thinking about that when i was re-listening to it this time is that not every song is like directly taught. It doesn't sound always like it's directly talking about wrestling, which yeah. is what the song is about. I don't know if I don't think you mentioned that. Um, yeah. Beat the champ is explicitly about wrestling. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's um, move into talking about this album in particular and yeah. why, why you picked this one for me to listen to. So I picked this one cause I know that Adam is very into wrestling. Um, I know very, very little about wrestling. I've n- uh, growing up, I was never into wrestling. A lot of my relatives, my cousins, and friends were into wrestling, um, and I never really got into it because I always thought it was kind of fake seeming. Like it was basically like it. I didn't like it for the same reason I didn't like soap operas. Oh, it yes. and, like for and wrestling, wrestling is yeah, it is, it is absolutely it's a soap opera. opera. It is a continuously running narrative yeah. that is that is crazy. There are wizards. There is. Yeah. 
but so from my from my context as a, like as a kid and like as a teenager growing up watching it like i mean obviously first of all i was probably a little pretentious i'm still a little pretentious um but now i am less serious about it i don't know if that makes any <laughs> sense i i accept i i have come to like camp and stuff like that a lot more and i think that's a reason to like wrestling the reason i didn't like it when i was younger is because um the argument that i was would get in with my cousins and friends who liked it was that most of them were very convinced that it was like real or that the things that they were seeing on tv like it there wasn't a level of um Disbelief. disconnect yeah yeah exactly so um so that was always my thing is that i thought that in the people in the heads of people who were watching it they were like yeah this is like a this is exactly real life this is like reality tv basically and not even reality tv something yeah, like that, this, this is like a ufc fight it's like no no it's not <laughs> yeah exactly and um so that was the context i was coming at it from so i just kind of disregarded it almost entirely and then didn't really realize i didn't really get a different perspective on it until i was in college and i think it was you and some of your other friends who like wrestling yes kind of let me see that in a different frame and then i kind of i kind of got it because like you know i i get it from that perspective i still not like it's not a thing that i've ever really i don't think i'll ever really sit down and watch and like on purpose and enjoy um but i can respect it from that framework um so I forget where I was going with that. Yeah, so wrestling is not really a thing I enjoy, but I knew it's a thing that Adam enjoyed, and I really like Mountain Goats. And I thought of any album by the Mountain Goats for me to introduce Adam to first, this would be the best one because I think, you know, you I figured you would get more from yeah it in general and be able to connect to it in a different way than other Mountain Goats albums. I so. think that was a good choice on your part because cool. uh, this is absolutely not a genre of music i ever listened to <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. that's fair i personally i really really like folk music a lot um it's probably my favorite music genre um okay yeah i can see that yeah mostly because i think i don't know there, there's a lot i think folk music has a really interesting history and especially modern folk music stuff coming out from the 90s until now has I don't know. It has a lot of country influences, like not not like modern country. And I hate I hate modern country. I heard a good term for modern country, which is like stadium country, which is country music meant to be played in a very large stadium. Yeah, there is. I've heard it called stadium country. I've heard it called uh, pop country. Yeah, um, is the other other good way to phrase it. Um, But those are they're glorified country songs. They're not. They're not actually even. It's not actually really even country music. It's It's, It's basically pop music or rock music with a twang on the vocals or some instrumentation that would be used in country but like at its heart isn't really it's it's pop rock yeah exactly it's more pop rock than is anything else it just happened to have it has a spray paint coating of country yeah yeah it Um, has all the it has the bunch of the dog whistle aesthetics of like a southern country album but like none of the heart from it but where yeah where i can definitely see that uh the country music that i used to listen to when i was a, a child and like mm-hmm. sitting in my dad's truck or my mom's car or, or my mom's truck or my dad's car because that was actually reversed <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it like sounded more <clears throat> like this had like the like the like the jangly guitar and like the mm-hmm. uh the poetic vocals and like exactly. there's there's that old joke where it's like a country song is supposed to be 
sad. And if you play a country song backwards, you get your dog back, you get your house back, you get your all back. But like, exactly. like country music, like current country music, is not that at all. No. Which because I never got no, that joke. Close. But like, yeah, this is where all that energy and the people who actually did like that genre of music, I think, went to was yes, folk music. But okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Folk music mm-hmm. didn't really like reemerge. Like it's been being made like the whole time, mm-hmm. but it didn't really reemerge until like like 2012 or so ish. Uh, I mean, give me who do you think is the the folk music that reemerged? What, what's um, your example there? Mumford and Son. Yeah, so Mumford and Sons isn't. They're kind of folky. They're more. Um, they're more Irish folk influence than anything else, which is different. Um, Irish folk kind of state of thing. And I, I know less about that than other stuff, uh, but I have a lot of friends who are very interested in Irish music in general. Yeah. Um, but they're Irish folk kind of turned into punk. Yeah. Irish punk a little bit. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, I think um, who's the flogging Molly. And yeah. um, there's another one that's really big. Uh, the Pogues. The Pogues are another really big one. So like there's, there's a really interesting overlap between punk and folk music that kind of happened in the nineties and kind of kept happening into the two thousands. And there's still some bands that do that. Like uh, one of the bands I really like a lot, they're called the Andrew Jackson Jihad. Um, they're, I think they started in the early two thousands or the, like the mid two thousands, I think actually. Um, but they are explicitly punk folk music, oh, okay. which is probably the best way to describe what folk is now, um, especially like the two thousands onward is that most of it, like it's folk music. It's definitely taking influence and it. I would argue that folk music has always kind of had a, well, at least since like the sixties has had kind of a punk ish. It's been, it's yeah. It was like pre punk almost. Cause like punk music kind of started like more in the late sixties. It really sounds and early like early seventies. It really sounds like but, like original like original country and original like folk is like mm-hmm. the er music of modern American music landscape, and so oh, when you oh, listen to that, yeah. a band like this, like the Mountain Goats, mm-hmm. and like it, it, when I first when I listened to the album all the way through the first time, mm-hmm. I thought that it was uh, jarring how much uh, the sound of the music was changing from song to song. And yes. I was like, this sounds because like I had nothing to go by, so I was like pulling in what I know of other genres to, uh, like decipher it. So I'm like, oh, this song sounds like ska. Oh, that's what this album's gonna be like. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay, no, like the first one sounds like, you know, just like jangly acoustic music. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh. this is just gonna be like an acousticy kind of thing. But then they had a bunch of horns come in, and then they had yep. electric guitar come in, and so I was like, this is any any genre <laughs> it's pulling from a lot of different genres and i will say that so mountain goats have developed a lot over time um the last so initially they were explicitly um uh acoustic guitar and a bassist and then sometimes john would pull in a keyboard and like or some kind of um i forget what they're called exactly but they're basically like um like set rhythm sounds um, oh like an auto but, drum yeah like an auto drum or something like that they would like play certain beats um but that's we're talking like they're when they're originally formed like the 90s like early 90s um 
and they were part of what they were calling called at the time is like a lo-fi sound um because the first several albums were recorded explicitly on uh, a boombox that john owned in his home oh yeah <laughs> yeah like literally from a boombox onto cassette and then from there Produced. he put it out yeah <laughs> yeah so he's like it's a really really interesting history in general because like there's some of those albums that still are hard to get a hold of um and i don't even think have been re-released since he's been on his newest label so they're like you can get them like you can find ways to listen to them i listen there's a lot of them on spotify now oh um, yeah but there's still a couple of those really early projects he's worked on that i don't think you can get a hold of very easily um so it's kind of interesting um but so so that that's their earlier sound and then right around so i think it's 2002 when tallahassee came out that's their last album that is the only instruments on that album i think are acoustic guitar bass and i think there's a couple songs that have electric guitar and that's it they don't i don't think they have a consistent drummer on that one i don't i'm pretty sure I could be wrong about that. I know that the first time that they pulled in and had a drummer as a main band member was um, Sunset Tree, which is arguably the best Mountain Goats album. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not going to argue against it. I no, no you, you, I mean, you have no reference. It, it, in people that like Mountain Goats, it's, it's kind of a hotly debated thing, I feel like, because um, there's a lot of people who like the early, early stuff where it's like very stripped down. There's a lot of people who like Tallahassee a lot, and there's a lot of people who like Sunset Tree a lot. But basically, um, there's an album in between those two. But Sunset Tree and Tallahassee are kind of like that shift where he starts incorporating more and more instrumentation. Yeah. And then from Sunset Tree on, he's basically with each album including more and more. Um, And didn't really start including a lot of horns until pretty like in the last decade, basically. So that's kind of new. I do like picking the, up like the horn parts of, of this album. Yeah, I I think he uses them to a really really nice effect in general because um, they're almost always kind of background, um, not always, but they kind of they add an atmosphere to the album more than they are like the key instruments for a song. If that makes any sense. I, that's how I feel about it at least, um, yeah, and that that kind of does that. vary from song to song, but. Um, would say that's generally the case then anyway let's yeah let's go exactly. ahead and like uh dig into this album in particular yeah i think it's probably a good idea um and i'm actually pretty interested i i think i should probably just stop talking for a little bit and you should just tell me what you thought of this album because i could keep talking about the mountain goats in general for a really really long time and i would kind of like I to say some not of it that feeling. <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> um but so uh uh, and I would like to say that because I this is another this is a band that I would like to revisit at some point, and honestly, I would probably like to do it if we're going to include other people. Um, I would be down to introduce. I want to introduce as many people as I can to this band because I don't think they they've gotten I think progressively more of a following, um, but I still don't think they are as um, followed and respected as they should be, um, like popularly. Because I, I get that folk music is not everyone's thing, but of all the folk music you should be listening to, it's probably the Mountain Goats. Like, even if you're not listening to their most current stuff, you should have at least listened to one of their albums at some point in your life because they're really good. They're just really, really good. Uh, all right. Pretty consistently, so, too. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, Adam? What, how did, what did you think about this album? 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start like really really big picture and get nar- slowly narrow in. That's a good idea. So I don't listen to this genre uh, ever at mm-hmm. all. Uh, yes. And so when you uh, have never heard like a style of music, uh, you there you have nothing to to decipher it by. So you can't you have no metrics. So I can't I couldn't really judge whether or not this was good or not. I just knew whether or not I gut instinct liked particular songs on it. Uh, I there's a really specific reason why I don't listen to this genre at all, and uh, I got introduced to this genre in the worst way possible. Uh, my longest term relationship and my long term relationship in college ended, and my uh, my ex at the time was uh, way more into music than I was, and uh, very frequently would relate things to music. And uh, I always knew when they were, were feeling a particular kind of mood because they would uh, post a music video on Facebook. And if they yeah. ever did, yeah, oh, well, it was, yeah. But it was, it was the, the late, the late aughts. <laughs> so, right, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and like, I, I knew that was an aspect of their personality. And so, uh, like, they talked about the, a music video that they watched over and over again when they first met me and how that made me, made me feel about them. And then they would, for the years that I was with them would relate different emotions they were feeling to like uh, music and different music in particular. And so I knew that was a facet of personality. And so uh, the, like the week we broke up, they posted uh, the a music video from Mumford and Sons on their Facebook and that is the first time I ever listened to this sort of folk genre. And yeah. I listened to that one song uh, several times over and over and over again for that week <laughs> and uh, ruminated on it. And so, Which like, song was it? I want to know. I do, at this point in my life, I do not remember. If I heard it, if fair. I heard it, I would say, that is the song. All I remember is I was Mumford and Sons. And so, like, anytime I, I heard anything, any even obliquely next to this genre like i immediately had that gut instinct of like i don't want to listen to this that's fair that's that's a pretty deep emotional cut there yeah yeah um, so probably that's... wouldn't either <laughs> so i i will admit that mumford and sons is probably my introduction to this kind of genre because mumford and sons kind of fits so like they are um they're definitely more i think irish folk influenced um and I think British folk influence than anything else. I think um, Mumford and Sons was the intro for a lot of people our age into this mm-hmm. type of genre. And so yeah. I was around a lot of people at that exact moment who were getting into Mumford and Sons and then springboarding off into getting into other things like mm-hmm. like Andrew Jackson Jihad or mm-hmm. like the Mountain Goats. Because I've, I've heard the, of the Mountain Goats plenty enough. Like even, That's good. Yeah. I think well, I think we've talked about it before because I we've talked about it before, but I'm, I'm yeah. I feel like I'd heard of them probably before separately that. than yeah. that. That's possible. I mean, uh, within the uh, within the genre they are in, I think they are pretty popular. I think it's that it bums me out because I I don't think I don't think Mumford and Sons is terrible. Um, I think that they are accessible. They're very accessible. <laughs> That's the best way to talk about them. Um, because they kind of inhabit a really interesting cross point in genres where they are not only they're not only folk music, they're also kind of like Irishy, 
kind of music and, and, and punky and yeah a little punky i wouldn't say that as much they're almost more of like an indie pop rocky kind of sound with an irishy folky spin to it that well actually probably the other way around i would say um i think that they overlap a lot with a lot of other indie rock bands out and around the same time i think that i can probably draw a lot of parallels between them and um something like arcade fire um i think arcade yeah. fire is substantially better um at least in the earlier stuff i don't know how i feel about them recently currently um yeah i think they kind of lost their way a little bit but that's that's a whole other whole other topic i can talk about that whole, whole too. Okay, yeah, okay so that. yeah that yeah I, so. <laughs> I can see that introduction into music or into folk music not being the best no yeah so that um has soured my my taste for the genre quite a bit mm-hmm. uh so this is the only like full album of folk music or folk style music i've ever listened to and i've had like i've hung out with friends who like we've been like hanging out and sitting on youtube and people have like oh turn a music video on to like a folk band and no matter what it is like i've always had just a like, sort of this this hmm just this uh, average distaste for it and it's and i know exactly that's because of my original feelings to like this sound uh and i know that that's all in my head but that's uh there, i can't help that anymore <laughs> that's fair so how did you feel listening to this album uh okay so right off the bat when i turned on the first song i immediately had that uh lizard brain emotional reaction of like uh but then uh, it got to the second song, and the second song. Uh, so the first song is uh, "Southwestern Territory," which uh, yes. I, the, the title uh, got me really quick. It, it made me a little bit happy, kept me happy throughout the song. Just thinking of the title. Uh, Wait, why is that? Okay, so um, I didn't realize how old uh, like this band was, and so it yes. makes a lot more sense that this concept album about wrestling is about an era mm-hmm. of wrestling that takes place like even before the 90s yes like and, um it explicitly so uh john i forget exactly how old he is but this is mostly about him as a child and well the the idea from this album comes with um so him as a kid watching wrestling which would have been in the 70s i believe yeah um, which don't is correct, uh, i i I could be off on the timeline, but it's like right around in there. So the so, inclusion yeah. of the word territory in the very first song uh, tips the hat because uh, mm-hmm. that is a reference to the territories era, which yep. is uh, the 70s and 80s of pro wrestling. Before everything was syndicated under yep. one giant umbrella. Yes, before like yep. one corporation basically in America took everything over. And that was actually a thing I didn't know until... I listened to this album and learned more about wrestling history in general. Um, yeah, because it, it was never really a thing I thought about because my entire time growing up, like I always, you know, WWE was the main. Yeah, like that thing. was that that's was that was synonymous wrestling, with basically. wrestling. Yes, exactly. So um, that's that's the thing that I learned going through this album. But yeah, I think that first track does a really like the title does. It also gives a really good. Um, it gives you geography. Which I think is important. Yes, which is like in the territory areas, that's important because mm-hmm. that changes uh, very much what sort of wrestling you're seeing. And if this is set exactly. in the, this album is set in the Southwest. Yes. And explicitly. Yeah, in that, and you can, in that and territory. The nice thing about that, I, this is something I really like about this album in general. And I think I picked it up more on this listen than I did even in previous listens is that, um, so not only like lyrically does it reference that. I think in the music that it's playing, it references that a lot in that the mm. music that you're hearing 
often has a very western like oh it's like country but like there's even like a southwestern like yeah. almost kind of going a little mexicali oh, kind of oh, sound yeah like on, for a lot uh, of songs on track nine werewolf gimmick like that yep. whole thing is exactly yep okay yeah okay that's another yep. okay that's an aspect that i didn't which sounds like like had... mariachi rock like yeah. absolutely like you know it is it, it's it's sprinkled throughout like it's not aggressive about it all the time but if you're paying attention you can hear it you can pick it up in individual songs that is an and aspect I think it, that um it's a good I'm, through line yeah I, I see i couldn't pull that out because i have no reference to their their other music mm-hmm. so i'm like i don't know if this is uh, a particular that's not very yet. typical uh, like not to say that they never do that like obviously like um john grew up in california yeah so it's definitely like a sound that he's probably i couldn't tell you explicitly from other albums but it's definitely not completely alien but it's never it's usually not this heavy so i will say okay so uh so I, I I get through the first song, uh, not really feeling it. Uh, get to track two, uh, the Legend of Trava Guerrero, and uh, that gets me pretty pretty easily because like Eddie Guerrero was like uh, a big name in wrestling in the Attitude Era, which is the first time I got into wrestling with my cousins, and then I fell out through all of high school, and then I got back into it in college when I started living with our friends Nick and Ben. But I do yeah. remember uh, like Eddie Guerrero, and th- that is. Uh, our friend Ben's favorite wrestler. Really? I didn't know oh, that. Oh, dude. Like, cool. when he was in high school, the day Eddie Guerrero died, like, he got to high school when he was, like, in the morning, and his friend told him that, and he, like, went to the bathroom to cry. <laughs> like, mm. That's so sad. Yeah. But, uh, boy, this song uh, I, I really liked. And so I, I liked it so much that I want to move on right now and circle back to it. Uh, sure the next I'm one totally okay with that uh, it's a really good song yeah. it's one of the singles they released for this so i think That's it's kind of fine to... a good idea to reset a single uh the next yeah. one yeah. uh foreign object uh i think is very funny <laughs> uh foreign object is low-key like probably my favorite song on this album um maybe not entirely i think it's it's the most fun song on this album um and it's one that i can listen to out of context very easily uh and i had some very explicitly what i want to say about this is that this gives a really good example of one of the reasons i really like john as a lyricist and a singer yeah is that there is a very there's a moment right at the end um he has such a good way of putting emotion into the things that he's saying um that you could really hear that intensity a little bit that makes any sense I forget exactly which line. Um, God, I I should have the lyrics pulled up in front of me because I would be able to tell you exactly which one I'm thinking of there is, right now. There is one lyric in this song that I, I like very much, and that is when he says, "I personally will stab you in the eye with a foreign object." <laughs> I just that's a real, I really like that because the, uh, all the other ones are, "I'm gonna poke you in the eye," "I'm gonna jab you in the eye." Yeah. I personally will stab you in the eye with a foreign object. <laughs> it's so good i i I love this song and like the first time i heard it it made me it's it the best thing about this song is that it's such a up it's such an upbeat song yeah and it's so like yeah yeah intense and it's about the subject matter that it's about is so graphic (laughs) yeah that juxtaposition is just so good like it yeah yeah no this i like this song a lot um because like the song before this, like Legend Trava Guerrero, obviously, like kind of helps set up for this because, like, you go from the first song, which is very 
kind of sleepy, um, which is not a bad thing. I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, like I said, it sets geography, it sets sound. Yeah. It sets the idea for this album very nicely. And then Legend Chava Guerrero kind of pulls that in and makes you feel what John was feeling as a kid yes. watching and, and one watching thing I, wrestling. I will say is that professional wrestling is is very much a product for kids. It's, yes. it's superheroes in real life. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the best way to look at it is it's if you look at it like comic books. Yeah. Like these are heroes to people. Like they're not just yeah. the people in spandex, you know, they they you know, it goes further than that. Um All right. so then the uh fourth song Animal Mask. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy. Yes. I I do enjoy that. I I like the uh it's also it has that sort of like um numbers letters learn to spell i don't remember what that song is but it feels like that like a very like kid like walking to school like this is this dude's like first gimmick he's got an animal mask like oh and so the thing that i really like about this song it and i couldn't quite put my finger on exactly well i think i did before but like anyway the, the thing i like the most about this song in particular so it is a and it's a similar thing that i liked about some songs in hamilton explicitly the George the third songs where yeah. it's him singing as if it's a, it's a romance song about him and the colonies. Basically, this is a Western um, like nostalgic romantic song about the first time that one wrestler teamed up with another wrestler as like a duo. Oh, Oh man. I need to re-listen to that. Yeah. Like thinking of uh, it again. The perspective, so it's talking about someone with the animal mask, but it's talking from the perspective of another wrestler that, like, he's like talking about, like, yeah, the first time we met up, like, we were at this this free for all, like, you were getting your ass kicked, you couldn't defend yourself, and then I came to your rescue because I really liked your gimmick and I really was into your style, and then we like we partnered up after that, and like we were a thing, and like it, it's oh, it's man. so like to, dreamy and yeah, I need and, to like, listen to that. It's it, yeah, once you think about it from that perspective, I think the song gets a lot better. It's like not that I think it's a bad song to begin with, but like if you're looking at it from that angle, it makes so much more sense, and yeah. it it's such a nice spin on that idea because he's definitely like pulling from like these um, dreamy, nostalgic, like country love songs, but the content is a hundred percent from you know that you're a duo that maybe maybe they're not a thing anymore, or maybe they're just like remembering the good old days. Yeah. And I think um, so. That's that's one of the things that I like is a motif <laughs> and a theme. Yeah, it's my cat. Yeah, it's cat. <laughs> yeah my cat's fucking ridiculous. He's getting the zoomies. Anyway, um, no, it's like a motif. It's a theming that comes to this album. There's a few different ones that go sprinkle in and out and kind of weave in and out. But one of them is like nostalgia for the past or um, when things were better or um, yes, like deteriorating as you age. The, no, um, nostalgia is a Oh, I would say if there's like one theme to this album, it's nostalgia yeah. because looking back on a thing mm-hmm. you like in your childhood, that is quintessentially like nostalgic. Yeah, but it, my thing about it is that it's not just it's not just like uh, rose tinted nostalgia, and I like that a lot about this is that it it's obviously very nostalgic for that era. Oh yeah, but it's also it's playing things from from the uh, pers- different perspectives, like the perspective of the wrestlers themselves dealing with stuff. And it's also coloring the perspective of the wrestlers in their first person with the perspective that the audience as a child might have. Yeah. That makes any sense. Like it's talking about, like, I, I'm sure that 
before full syndication, wrestling was probably more violent than it is currently. Yeah. But I doubt it was this intense, more than likely. I don't know my history that well, but, yeah. you know, I like, I doubt they were letting people, like, actively shank each other in the wrestling match. Yeah, probably. No, not, not really. Like, yeah. But, like, the, the idea is that, like, you know, from a child's perspective, if, you know, people were getting hurt in the ring, it felt like real life. Like, it, this is people risking their lives every time they're getting on stage kind of deal, you know? And it, it pulls that in and out, and I like that a lot. So, like, uh, more onto that point, whenever I listen to the mm-hmm. uh, song Foreign Object, and yes. I, I hear I hear him talking about, you know, I have a sharp thing hidden in my hand. I can't pull myself away from thinking of it in the, like, Old Territories era of wrestling where, like, they both know he has a sharp thing hidden in his hand. That's for blading where you, like, you nick them above the eye a little bit because that's where it'll bleed real good. And so when he says stab you in the eye, I don't really mean – I can't – I don't interpret that as I'm going to stab you, like, in your eyeball. It's I'm going to stab you around the eye, probably above it because that's – that's where you get the real good, the real good color from. That's super fair. Yeah, I so I never really thought about it in that context actually. So I I know that that's a thing. It's just that the intensity of that song always has portrayed to me that like it's yes, that is that's probably that's how they would have done it in real life. Yeah, but from like a kid's perspective, it's someone that's cutting someone else. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to like really. He's 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 hiding. He's a blade. really trying to go for he's it. He's hiding a blade. Know? And he's gonna stab him in the eye. But like, no, no, no you're just you, you just cut him above the eye. That's that's how you oh, color. <laughs> one, one of my favorite lines. I'm gonna go back to foreign object because I love foreign object. Uh, one of my favorite lines from that is "Whip my head around a little, get blood on the front row." Is like no, yeah, oh, it's so like, good. That's like you like. There's no reason to whip your head around, other than to like spread the color. Like that's yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Okay, yeah, I'm really fair. liking the per, the different perspectives you're bringing to these. All right, let's go yeah, ahead. But anyway, and... I, I want to say one more thing. I remember the line that I like the most from Foreign Object. It's the very last one before he starts doing like the Bapadadas, Foreign Object, Bapadada, yeah. Foreign Object. It's uh, one of these days my legs will both snap like twigs. If you can't beat them, make them bleed like pigs. And just the, it's not even in like the, um, how aggressive he says it it's like the emphaticness of how he says that last line yeah like i don't know it just it gets me every time where it's not just ah, man the i can feel the emotion and just like how like tight his like from how he's singing it how tight his mouth feels and how intensely he's saying it that it feels like yeah i'm gonna fucking shank somebody like i'm gonna like <laughs> jab him in the i'm gonna jab him in the throat and make him you know bleed him out all over the fucking ring and it's like I don't know. It just I don't know. It, it it does something for me, and I don't know. It, it, every time I hear it, like like every other time, I have to sing that line out loud, and I have to sing it with like as much emphasis as I possibly can, because <laughs> it just ugh, it just gets me every time. I love that one. Anyway, okay. So the next yeah, song but so animal masks, uh, animal masks, and then, the next and then song, choked out. Choked out. Uh, this song does nothing for me. Gonna be honest. Really? Yeah. I, li- I listen to this. That's fair. Like some of the least. Uh, I have almost nothing to say about it. Um. I will say that it's of all the songs, it's probably the most throw. It's the shortest song on this album. Um, yeah, it is, and you can really feel that. Um, I feel like it might have been better if it got out a little bit longer. Maybe if it had another verse or two, it could have done really well. I the thing I will say about it is I think it it does a decent job. So like just like the the energy of the songs bouncing off each other. So you have like Southwest Southwestern Territory is 
kind of dreamy, very sleepy, like setting the stage for the rest of the album. It does work like thematically, um, and it is a good song, but it's not, it's kind of slowly leading you into it. And then Legend Chava Guerrero is very upbeat, like kind of getting you into like the nostalgic mindset of like oh, oh, yeah. a hero as wrestlers as heroes, basically. Um, and then Foreign Object is just like visceral, it's, like, you know, it's, it's, it's very intense. And then... then Animal Mask is like, it's like a love song. It's like, you know, it's kind of, it's romantic, it's nostalgic in that kind of way. And then Choked Out gives you a little bit. So you don't just have like two nostalgic kind of songs next to each other. It gives you a little bit of um, another burst energy intensity. Yeah, a little bit. Like it, I think it's kind of needed here because I think Heel Turn Two is a song I like a lot. We could probably just move on to that. Yeah, um, but is also another slower song. Heel Turn Two. Um, uh, I did uh, again. Not super into Heel Turn Two. That's fair. Uh, I. I think it's because like. It it leans further away from the uh, from the the wrestling theme than the other ones, though. Hmm. But in like like it, it feels more like uh, it to me uh, like thinking of other mountain goats and other mountain goats songs I've heard. It mm-hmm. really feels to me like the guy is singing more about uh, a relationship that he wants to get out of. Where in my mind, like the uh, that's the subtext, and then like mm-hmm. the actual text of the song is uh, a face turning heel during a steel cage match really that's so weird because i actually get the exact opposite out of it and then i feel like it sounds a lot like a mountain and i was, I was thinking about this for a few other songs too like it sounds a lot like a mountain goes out but i'm like listening to it in the context of beat the champ so like that, i thought about this for a lot of the songs is that if you took them out of this album and you just slid them into another mountain goods album they would fit in fine and i never would compare them to wrestling but because it's in Beat the Champ and there's so yeah. many songs in and around them that are themed this way, I know that the way he's writing it and the way he's com- like compiling this album together is they're all from that perspective. Yes. And so, and the name of the song is He'll Turn Too. So yeah. like, but for me, I think this song works so well because it's, it seems to be very much about someone who is a face because like they even have a line about like uh um in your child's mind that's how it goes down yeah but it's like coming from the perspective of like a wrestler who is a face who is heel turning and that's going to be so like devastating to their kid exactly yeah exactly but it's, so, but it's uh, like for me, i don't for want the, to die because think... he's like he's in a ring or a steel cage match like yes i i do like that but i do think that there's yeah. a reason why this is the other single that got pulled out because, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, if you slotted this into like a different Mountain Goats album, mm-hmm. or that was like, or like a breakup album, like it would, it would feel correct in there. I could see that. I could definitely, definitely see that. My my thing, I I think that it has enough little points in between in the in the lyrics of the song that kind of pull it back into the wrestling motif that it works really well for me. Yeah, because I'm the entire time I'm listening to it, I'm thinking about a face who's like who's been trying so hard to be a good guy and that now he is at the point where he thinks that if he continues to do that, he's going to die in the ring and he can't, he won't let that happen. Yeah. So he has to, he has to be turn heel, even though like the, you know, I think it says the president of the fan club is up there choking on his tears. Not, not because the, the face is getting beaten, 
but because the face is turning, it's turning is is like is like taking why. a steel chair and is just like yep. continuously wailing on his opponent, like uh, to the point yep. where it's like, oh no, now it's not. And that know. that's actually a line that I didn't get until I think this last listen through because I always I always listen to it as the president of the fan club up there choking on his tears was because the face was getting his ass kicked, and he was sad about his face, his you know his favorite his favorite you know, yeah, wrestler his favorite losing. But it's not. No, no, no. It's because yeah, he's 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 he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's winning, yeah. but he's doing it by turning heel. So I exactly. I do think there's a lot to like about it, but like, yeah, like the fact that it, it's it's so clearly that um, like bad relationship I'm getting out kind mm-hmm. of feel. Like that's fair. Yeah, I think it does definitely have that. I think that's that's a pretty common uh, theme in a lot of Mountain Goat songs, um, in and out of this album and other albums. Like there's some that are explicitly about relationships. And then there's fewer that are. So yeah, you know, yeah, I, I could agree with that. Uh, All right, so so next song. next one, uh, fire editorial. Uh, I damn near mm-hmm. don't remember. <laughs> That's fair. This it, there's there's a point in the middle of this album that I think gets a, it drops a little bit. Yeah, I think um, this is definitely for me. This is the the lull zone. Mm-hmm. Is is choked out heel turn fire editorial. That's super fair. Um, I I do still kind of like this album, but right right now, like not like even though I've listened to this album like three or four times this week. And I listened to it literally an hour ago. I could not same, yeah. Tell you anything about this one explicitly. So like, I don't think it's. I was thinking about this a lot when I was listening through this past time. I don't think there's a single bad song on this album, um, because I've there's, and that's actually an opinion that it's changed since last time I listened to that, and then we can talk about that later because there was a song on this album that I really really didn't like, um, for a very long time. And I think this listen through, I finally changed my mind on it, which is weird um, because typically once I've gotten to a point, like after I listened to the album several times, I've listened to this album at least 15 times, yeah. at least. Um, and then usually once I get to that point, I don't really change my mind on certain songs. It takes a, a lot, like I, I need a lot of distance or I need a different context. But this time, for some reason, it just kind of clicked with me a little bit better. I, but it wasn't this one. No, okay. Um, I think Fire Editorial is it is definitely uh, track seven of an album. Like it, yeah, that's super fair. Yeah, uh, stabbed to death outside of San Juan. I mm-hmm. uh, first time I listened through it, uh, didn't really get it, and then I uh, talked to Nick and Ben. I was like, hey, uh, I'm listening to this album with Logan. Have you guys ever heard of yep. this? And they were both like, yes, this is a good album. And then uh, Nick was like, I like Foreign Object, and Ben said, I like Stabbed to Death outside of San Juan. And then I asked Ben why, and he said, oh, it's about uh, this guy named Bruiser Brody. And I was like, oh, wait, what? This is about a real story? And yeah, yeah, this song is about a wrestler named Bruiser Brody who went to San Juan. And oh, it, and it's like a fucked up story because he got uh, stabbed to death in the shower room after the match. And like, and and everyone was uh, was mums the word about it. Jesus. Yeah. So like it was I, uh, all everyone else was back there, but uh, every everyone to a man said didn't see a thing. Wow. And so it's still like a mystery as to how he got murdered because he definitely didn't slip and fall on the knife and stab himself multiple times. Sure didn't. Um, I didn't actually know that history about the song. I kind of like this song a lot, not even knowing that. Now that I know that, it's like so I knew that um, it's like Legend of Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Guerrero is an actual rustler oh yeah and that's and that's <laughs> i actually went on youtube and looked up uh tried to find some travel guerrero matches after this i didn't find any yeah. travel guerrero matches but i did find a match 
from the last two years on Lucha Underground where Chavo Guerrero was there because he was ringside cheering on his son, Chavo Jr. That's great. Yeah, and there was a point in the match where uh, it was Chavo Jr. versus uh, Rey Mysterio, and Rey Mysterio uh, flings uh, uh, Chavo Jr. out of the ring, and old Chavo Guerrero uh, takes a bump because his son hits him, and he like falls out of his chair with his son, and he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, old Chavo, <laughs> fuck yeah, Mr. Old Guerrero, take a bump. That's great. That's super great. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I knew that that was the thing, because I think there was, um, so this was, this is, Legend of Tropic Guerrero was like one of the singles that was released, but also, um, John, like, did some, uh, he met up with Chavo Guerrero after it was released, like, they, like, this, he's legitimately one of John's favorite wrestlers oh, or was when he was that's a kid great. so they actually like met up and got chavo got to like know, like a know that this guy was just writing a song about him which is really cool uh so stabbed to death outside of san juan uh i like it a lot more now that i know the the actual history to it because there's a really good uh lyric where it says um uh the knife sings when it hits the bone uh i, I can't don't remember the exact lyric but it's like the knife sings when it hits the bone but somehow no one hears yeah. And it's just like, ooh, that's a really good reference to everyone being like, no, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, nobody fucking hears it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually way more impactful now that I know the like actual history of that. That's cool. I like that a lot. Uh, next, I'm gonna, I'm probably yeah. gonna re-listen that one from a different uh, perspective, honestly. The next uh, track nine, Werewolf Gimmick, mm-hmm. second favorite song mm-hmm. on the album. I, I yeah, I actually really like this one a lot too. This is one of mine that I had kind of starred because um, I was thinking about. I wanted to ask you exactly what your favorite song was. We'll talk about that because I want to talk about what my favorite one is. Um, but this is one of my contenders because this is such a good fucking song. It has like really good intensity. Um, gives a really good, I don't know, like perspective on, I don't know, like, like that idea of being like really into your gimmick. Yeah. That makes any sense. Like, you know that like this is definitely an exaggeration. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, yeah. But it's like, it's so into it. it's it's the same thing with like foreign object i think these those two songs kind of fit kind of together that this guy is so into his fucking gimmick that he's just like he just beats the living shit out of some newbie oh yeah just because he can yeah and yeah because think what's the line it's like some baby face something or other yeah. with a gimmick some he can't sell local baby face with an angle he can't sell that's it this, yep. okay hold on yeah this is my favorite uh, line so is some sniveling local baby face with a gimmick he can't sell Full werewolf off the buckle. Wait, no. Uh, what is? Oh, uh, I can't remember what it is. But full werewolf off the buckle, like an angel straight from hell. Yes, I I love that line because uh, <laughs> you have to be really into the into wrestling to get this. But full werewolf off the buckle would mm-hmm. almost certainly be a reference to him doing some sort of uh, finisher move, uh, where he gets somebody up on the buckle and then does like you know. Uh, a big drop with him on his shoulders or something and it's nice. just like it's probably like some really huge bump that this uh that this new jobber can't fucking take and he's like fuck it i'm gonna do it to you anyway because he says full werewolf off the buckle which means like oh he's doing like the full move on like the highest like on like the third mm-hmm. buckle <laughs> and it's like oh <laughs> yeah no i this is this is one of my favorite songs in the album and it's like it's weird. Some of these songs feel a lot shorter than they are, and then other songs feel longer than they are. I think this is one of them for me because this is only like I'm looking at like the track listing right now. Yeah. Length, it's like two and a half minutes. Feels a lot longer. I 
it feels longer than that because I think the the verses work so well and it the whole track just feels really good whereas like i think um what's the other one like hill turn two it's like almost six minutes long never would have guessed that yeah that does not um, feel hill turn two though i think has that's the one it has like a um there's an instrumental interlude at the very end of it oh uh, yeah that lasts, that lasts a like a yeah that really long like yeah. interlude yeah and i think I, I think that's the part of that song that really turns me off of it that's fair i re-listening to it i kind of liked it a little bit um because it's probably it's one of the only ones in it and it comes after choked out which is such a such a short song um and choked out i think that's the only reason i really don't like it is that it's so so short that it you barely even have a chance to really like get into it yeah to get into it and it's done you know it's kind of like a one-off like it doesn't really feel like there's really that much into it um yeah anyways world gimmick i do really really like a lot this is always been one of my favorite songs and the first time i listened to this it was um song two song three and then werewolf gimmick were like my three that i liked a lot and then um another song we haven't talked about yet but let's go to the next one uh, well I, I do want to say with werewolf gimmick i uh mm-hmm. this might just me be looking into it but i think it uh is in the same universe as animal mask heel turn two and then werewolf gimmick are all about the same guy oh you know i can totally see that yeah because you know that's that's, that's another thing i do really like about this album is that like some of it does very it feels like it ties all together um as i'll say that it's, it happens again with um i think the next two songs and the last song i think kind of tie in a little bit um but i could be reading to that as well um, I, I, but yeah it feels like there's a, a self-insert character or like an oc character that is, is weaved that. in and out of uh, these narratives of like actual wrestlers to where it's like a guy with the animal mask like a, clearly a luchador with the animal mask mm-hmm. and then he does a heel turn and then he, you know, and then he doesn't go to rehearsal because he's he's good at this. He he's werewolf gimmick now. Yeah. And then uh, Luna, I I got nothing for you. This it feels like uh, strange. And like every time I see Luna, I'm like, oh, werewolf. And then Luna, and then masked. Mm-hmm. I want those to be the same. Where like Luna is where like the werewolf gimmick guy like comes down. But it just I could not pull anything out of this. It felt like uh, a song from a different album that got inserted here somehow. So um, a note that I actually had about Luna, and I had this about um, previous song, Fire Editorial. Um, these songs both sound very reminiscent of the previous album in sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, they both they sound very much like Transcendental Youth, which has, both of these songs have very, um, very heavy use of horns and kind of jazzy notes, which is pretty much all the transcendental youth is not all of it um actually more like the later half of it probably is what i would say but um transcendental youth and this album like the first time i listened to this one i didn't really connect them as much um but having listened to it more i can hear i can hear more of a transition between that one and this one yeah um because transcendental youth is a bit dreamier um it's an album that is about uh it's less of a concept album really it's kind of more thematic like this one is definitely a concept like there's an idea that all the songs are kind of generalized on and transcendental youth kind of has that but it's not quite as tight if that makes any sense yeah like each each individual one of these songs would be like yeah this is definitely about wrestling ties into wrestling all these songs fit together because of that and this whole album fits together because of that transcendental youth is about um 
think the original idea it's mostly about people that have died before their time or people that died because of drug use mm. um i one of the explicit ones is um oh um god i can't remember her name off the top of my head uh she's a very famous singer amy something oh uh, oh that may, oh yeah that sounds familiar oh, oh we're gonna get shit for not remembering this name yeah oh. it's fine All right. i i never really listened to any of her music amy winehouse. i know of her amy winehouse uh one of the examples explicitly is amy winehouse who died like what was a very famous singer very big following but died because of drug overdose um and drugs kind of like destroyed her life a little bit but it, that that whole album is kind of about that sort of there there's some songs that don't really fit into that as well, I don't think. Um, but anyway, the sound of it, the sound of that album carries over, I think, a lot into Fire Editorial and Luna explicitly. Um, yeah. Whereas it doesn't really as much into some other ones. Um, and so that's something I had noticed. So that might be kind of what you're hearing a little bit. They don't feel as connected because of that. Um, I can yeah, kind of see that. I, I, can, I can definitely see that. Then, I, I kind so... of liked luna and the other one because of that um mostly because they now that i now i can hear that like it, maybe uh, it's probably more of like a a thing for me because i have listened to a lot of their albums like being able to hear connective tissue between one album to another is kind of nice but yeah i can see that anyway, from that perspective all right well then mm-hmm. so the next one uh, track 11 unmasked with an exclamation point which is funny yes. because it's a very chill song it's very very chill. Uh, I want to. Okay, I just want to hear your perspective on this because I have, like, mm-hmm. what do you what do you pull out of this? Unmasked. Yeah. I I was trying to think about this one earlier because it's like it got harder and harder for me to talk about songs even later in this album. Not because I didn't have anything to say, because I felt like I was saying the same thing a lot. Um, I can see that. Unmasked, I do like a lot. Um, I liked it more on this previous listen but like i said it's harder for me to pull exact things to say about it um it, it seemed it has this like i i don't uh hmm. my feelings on this song are mixed mm-hmm. uh a song about you know a luchador unmasking that's like a big deal in in lucha yeah. uh but like the tone of it is so like so like uh, romantic and like mm-hmm. like sensual and well here's the thing is I would tie this almost into like Animal Mask previously um, but I think I did that initially when I first listened to it because well I mean so like I think you can definitely say the Animal Mask and Werewolf gimmick probably have a connection because they talk about you know they're both an animal gimmick yeah so they kind of have that going on but just the way they talk about the character with the mask. Yeah. Sounds, it, these remind me of each other a little bit. I don't know if that's an intentional or not. Um, but I kind of like that. I, I like this song, but I, like I said, I think I have a harder time talking about it explicitly. Cause I feel like the more I talk about individual songs in this, I, okay. So like, I don't think Unmasked is a song that works outside of this album necessarily. But I think in this album it works really well. And I think that's a thing I could say about a couple other songs. I think like Fire Editorial and Hill Turn 2 I feel the same way about. Um, but yeah, I, I I like it. But I like I said, I don't think I can talk that much about it, unfortunately. 
Okay, well, darn, darn that's because I wanted to Sorry. see, like... Get more into it? Yeah, I wanted to see, like, what, like, uh, what perspective you think uh, he's singing from in here, because, like, I can't put my finger on what it's, what the perspective is, because he, he's, like, like, the, just the refrain of, I'll reveal you, I'll reveal you. It, it sounds, it's like, those are the words, but, like, the tone in mm -hmm. his, his language makes it seem like it should be a different phrase and I can't yeah. quite pick what that phrase is. I can get that. It's my thing is I like so I think this is the thing I like about this, this song in particular. And now that you've actually said that line, it kind of brings it back for me a little bit. It's um so it's like comparing like unmasking someone to like knowing them. I guess if that makes any sense. So like when he's saying I will reveal yeah. you, and there's like he's talking like the way he's saying it is like how you would. I mean, like, kind of like how you would say to a lover or something like that. Like, but like, and he, there's, you're intimately getting to know someone more. Yeah, and there's okay. There is a moment where he does reference another person who is in the audience, and when he takes off the mask, they are like, like they have some sort of release, and it's somebody mm -hmm. that he is he is intimate with and knows, and they have some sort of release, and maybe this song is from the perspective of Animal Mask. And the person in the audience, I kept always thinking, like, it's a spouse or a partner, but maybe mm -hmm. it's his old uh, tag team buddy. I could see that. I, yeah, we, uh, that's definitely a way you could read the text, I think. Yeah, I my thing is, like, I, I definitely, this is not a bad song. No, I, I do I think like it's it. a harder song to talk about. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it, it's it's a more subtle song. It's Yeah, it's very subtle, and it has some sort of intimate, very, it's... You can tell that it is, it, it almost, okay, I almost feel like voyeuristic listening to this song. Yes, I think that's 100% right. I, okay, I think um, that is the that is the reason why I don't, I can't fully say that I like this song, because it makes me feel uncomfortable. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's kind of, that's kind of the intent, because like, it's about unmasking. Yeah, yeah, which is like. Which a, is a big fucking deal in wrestling. Yeah. Especially like luchador it, it, wrestling. It, it, okay, like. okay, no, I get, okay, it's it makes you feel like, it's like. Uh, like, like kids who are like about to lose their virginity, like the first time someone is like gonna be naked in front of somebody who's not their family, mm -hmm. like it's very, uh, it's like it's like a happy, sad, weird, like yeah. moment. It's it, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's a, for yeah, sure. it's uncomfortable, but in, but a happy, uncomfortable. Yeah, the, you know, he's a he's good. Uh, John John uh, Daniel is good <laughs> at what is what he does. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad that you think so. I, that makes me happy, actually, because like, I, yeah, no, I agree, obviously, because I've listened to a lot, <laughs> yeah, a lot. So if, okay, uh, anyway. penultimate song. But, okay, uh, the penultimate song yeah. is uh, the Ballad of Bull Ramos. Bull Ramos, real guy. Again, mm -hmm. this is uh, very uh, deft maneuvering in between, like a fictional, uh, like wrestling character in their intimate life, and then like songs about real people that. Uh, John apparently wants to sing about uh, Bull Marymouse, uh, real guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming that this uh, this is not a story about him being a wrestler. This is a story about what he his life like after he retired, and I'm a, I'm a, mm -hmm. I was assuming that this is all uh, pretty pretty accurate. I suppose. I actually have no idea on the accuracy of uh, it. He, I assumed yeah. it was about an actual he, person. He did go um, blind. He had diabetes, and and he did go blind. Uh, did have kidney dialysis. Oh. Lost over hundred pounds. 
No, the other part it says here, he had a big toe amputated due to an infection caused by a piece of glass, which is 100% in the song. Yeah. I mean, they uh, sensationalize it a little bit there. Um, like, he loses his whole leg. Um, yeah, he said he said loses his whole leg, but it's like, no, it's like, a piece of glass? How big was the piece of glass? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, with diabetes, when you... Um, is I, I, my my late grandfather on my dad's side, actually, um, he had diabetes, and this was actually a really big thing. He injured one of his feet at one point and um, actually had to have um, his lower leg amputated because of it. Um, because if you have really bad diabetes... Like your extremities just don't heal good? Yeah, they don't heal very well. And not only that, but they get infected very, very easily. Um, so if if the infection is let to sit for too long, they literally can't save most of your, like, what whatever wound, wherever the wound is, yeah. parts of it next to it. So in order to keep it from killing you, they actually have to, like, take big chunks of your, your you know, extremity. Yeah. See, so that's not super far off. Um, uh, but this is so. What do you think about the yeah, song? Oh, I I do like this. Uh, it's like it's sort of sad, but like it's upbeat. Yes, yes. This that's this is another one of those songs that I like a lot because it's upbeat and sad at the same time. Yeah. I also think it. Um, so there's a bit of theming throughout this entire album about. It's like nostalgia is one of the big ones. Wrestling, obviously, it's like nostalgia about wrestling. But the other thing about this, I think, is, um, growing old. Yeah. Um is a little bit of it because I think not only it's not explicit, but it's definitely like, you know, this is John looking at something from his childhood, basically like things he experienced in his childhood. Now that he's, you know, a grown adult and is now aging. I mean, he's in his fifties, I think yeah. right now, or like he's like late forties, early fifties. So this is not only like, you know, him looking at his own past and like examining wrestling, but it's also thinking about it in another way of like, you know, this is this is like the ideal situation. Like this is, you get to grow old and die. Yeah, that's what you do. Um, rather, and I mean the the refrain is um, um, I forget, I forget exactly, die, but it's never die. Ne- yeah, never die, never die. Stand with a bullet um, in my hand. Exactly, and I think that that is so impactful because it's like it's that spirit of you know I'm you know I'm I'm continuing to fight on, but like. You know, you're no matter what, your best hope is to kind of slowly die. You yeah. know, and kind of not not quite be forgotten, but like you know, kind of be forgotten because um, one of the last verses is um, you know it's him on the operating table, and the doctor says, "Hey, weren't you that wrestler wrestler with the bullwhip?" Yeah, he's like, and the rest like he is so um, excited yeah. to be remembered. Yeah that 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 was him like that yeah th- this is actually a this song in particular always gonna be really emotional on this album um and it's one that always stuck with me because of that because it's so i don't know it's not just nostalgic but it's also like it's talking about death in a very serious way without it and in such a happy way i don't know if that makes yeah, sense yeah no i definitely it, can see that this one has always stuck with me a lot, and it's one that it's another one that I've listened like I would as I did for an object a lot too. Where like after for an object ends, I would literally replay it again because I wanted to hear it. Yeah, I've done that with Baldible Ramos a lot too. This is one of my favorites on the album, and it's one of the ones I will continue to listen to because not only is it a good song, like it's catchy, it's it, it's got good hooks, like it 
it pulls you in, but also it has that like emotional backbone where it like, you know, if you're listening to it and you're, you're really getting into it, it's going to hit you. Well, at least it does for me. It hits me like, like a lot. So I can absolutely see that. Yeah. I, I do like this song a lot. It's a good song. Uh, it's, 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 it's a solid, solid track. And I think like the emotion it carries in its backbone makes it better than just that. It also makes it like really stick with you really hits home. I definitely agree. Yeah. Okay. And then the, uh, the final song, uh, hair match. Mm -hmm. I think this is a super good track to end this on. Um, one of my most enjoyed tracks, uh, because of how, uh, like all the other ones uh, that are like about Mm -hmm. wrestling and stuff. There's also like other emotions that you can pull in or other things that you could say, like, Oh, this is the text. This is the subtext or that's the subtext. This is the text. Like, yeah, this is all text and subtext about uh, about wrestling and about uh, a hair match. And a hair match is like when a luchador uh, and somebody who is uh, unmasked have have a match. Mm-hmm. Either the luchador is going to lose his mask or the unmasked fighter is going to get his hair shaved off. And so I think this, yeah, this is the final culmination of uh, the OC character Animal Mask, which is Animal mm-hmm. Mask to heel turn to werewolf gimmick to unmasked to now he's going to have a hair match. And it's it's mm-hmm. so, like... Because, uh, like, in wrestling, you're supposed to go out on your back. Like, you're supposed mm-hmm. to go out putting the new guy over. And it's uh, it's clearly, like, this guy singing about how he's, you know, he's losing this match. And it's like, oh, big disgrace to get uh, the hair match, to to lose the hair. But yeah. it's it's so, like, nice and happy. And it's like... Uh, like he's 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 in the gimmick and he's like oh we're gonna say no one's recording it but s- there will be cameras in the building of course and someone is going to hit record and uh, mm-hmm. your opponent and the ref are gonna hold you down and we're gonna bring a folding chair in and there's gonna be two guys on on your feet to like hold your legs but when they when he says that it doesn't have the intensity of there's two guys on my feet to hold my legs I'm struggling to get out it's there's two guys on my feet to hold my legs to to really sell it. Yeah. And I think this is like a really good uh it's poignant that it's the last track and it's about leaving wrestling. Mm-hmm. See, I always kind of got the a more somber tone from this one. It sounds like you're taking it as like a, like a he's glad to be out of the game or this is like a a good way to be out of the game almost. Yeah, well, it's like a um, it's like a it's like a it's bittersweet. It's a retirement party. That makes sense. Yeah, this is I always I always get more of um more of the somber than the sweet from this one personally um but this is so this is the track i was talking about previously um for a really really long time i didn't like this track i would legitimately um listen to this album i would get to the battle of bull ramos and i would get about i don't know like a minute or two into the song and i'm like i'm kind of done and i would stop the album and i've done that really? okay. i did that several times for a really long time and in this I literally like re-listening to it for this podcast. I listened to this one and enjoyed it so much more. Like I, I didn't skip this one once. Um, like obviously, like I still really like Battle Ramos. It didn't. It still is a very good song, and it still, I think impacts me a lot. Um, but I've listened to that one so much that it, I think it kind of kind of has dulled that a little bit. Yeah. But then getting into Hair Match as like an ending track, I think is it is a really good ending track, and it it works really well for me now, now that I've kind of listened through it again. Um, and it just, I don't know, it has, it has a little bit of something that 
I don't know. Uh, it it works. It works a lot. It works a lot for me. Oh, that's so interesting and that like we have like this is the only one that I think I've I've gotten to where I like it more than you. <laughs> uh, no, I well, okay, so that's probably true. <laughs> probably still true. I like this song so much more than I do now. I used to. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I like. It, I was at the point where I was like, I didn't like the song at all. Like it was one of my like, eh, it's kind of just, it's kind of just boring, and I just kind of want to be done with this album now. Um, to like legitimately really liking it like it i still i would hold this one over like fire editorial um probably choked out for sure um maybe luna i like luna actually i like i like luna i think luna luna works it's another one of those like um interstitial songs so it's like like how choked out kind of gives you like a bit of an upbeat before another lower song yeah luna gives you a little bit of a come down from werewolf gimmick, which is a very, very intense, intense song to go into unmasked, which is not a super dreamy song, but isn't, doesn't have that energy. And I think if you went from werewolf gimmick to unmasked, it would be really weird yeah. and it wouldn't work as well. So Luna gives you a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, I can do I can That makes any that. sense. I, that's one thing. I think the composition of this album works really well. Um, and I know that it's a thing that, john is very into um he talked about it on one of his podcasts um or well, on a podcast that he's in uh called uh i only listen to mountain goats uh, but he was talking about it in another context i think it was a different album entirely i'm pretty sure it was um oh all hell all hail west texas or what not west texas that's not right east Te- no god damn it it's one of the, it. the other albums but what did he say about this one when he was bringing it up Oh, he wasn't talking about this album. He was talking about the idea of um, album composition. Oh, okay. So, not when you when you're writing songs, you don't you don't always write you don't write them with the idea of what order they go into. You write a bunch of songs and you have a bunch of material, and then you have to organize them so that they work together. Yeah, and you do that not at the beginning stages. You do that later in the stages. So like getting getting this album to balance well is a big thing. So like, you know, if you put Choked Out as the last song on this album, it wouldn't really work yeah, that well. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, if you wanna if you wanna have a weaker song, you wanna sandwich it between some better songs, or you wanna sandwich it between, you know, it, at least fit it into a place where it's going to fit well and it's gonna balance out the album better rather than just you know, like throwing it at the end of an album. Like that's, that's one of the things that makes some artists better than others is that they know how to put an album together rather than just having a bunch of singles and just throwing them all on there and just, you know, well, if my first four songs are good, that's what everyone's really going to listen to. And then, you know, the last eight or whatever, nah, like if the last four songs are total duds, well, most people probably checked out by then anyway. So, you know, we don't really care, but that that's definitely not, that's not a thing John does. Like he definitely, you can tell from his track listing. Like I mean, like you got Werewolf Gimmick at like nine, and I think Werewolf Gimmick is one of the best songs in this album. Yeah. And then you got Balladable Ramos, which I also like a lot, and it's the second to last song on the album. Where that one could totally have been an early song. Yeah, but because of its theming, it's like second to last because it's about, it's about ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's about a retired wrestler who's at the end of his, like, is literally dying at the end of the song, basically. So, you know, it 
it fits better at the end of the album and it works better in that position whereas like choked out is you know not a great song maybe you don't want to lead with it but it fits really well where it's at it's the beginning of the of the album it kind of gives you an upbeat turn after a slow song yeah anyway okay so that's like kind of compositionally so that's why i think like things like luna okay may not be the best song on the album but they could come down from werewolf gimmick exactly it works well in the album i don't think it's a good song i don't think it's a great song by itself yeah that's what i would say but yeah anyway yeah yeah so yeah so your favorite was is bull ramos uh oh, hard, hard for you to that's say? really hard for me to say but, i okay. do really really like i think bull ramos gives me the most like emotion out of any song on this yeah um i don't know it's I, my top three, let me, I'll put it that way. It's Foreign Object, Werewolf Gimmick, Battle of Bull Ramos. Top three for me are Foreign Object, Werewolf Gimmick, and uh, Legend of Chavo Guerrero. And Legend of Chavo Guerrero, like, I listened to this whole thing all the way through, like, two or three times mm-hmm. over the course of the week. Uh, I listened to Legend of Chavo Guerrero, like, two or three times a day over the course of this week. <laughs> nice. Because, <laughs> cool. like, man. So is that when you're, like, your full, full favorite? Is that your favorite favorite? Yeah, that's my favorite favorite. Okay, so, like, okay. the reason I like it so much is, uh, one, it's about, like, a real wrestler, and, like, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Guerrero is really good. Uh, like, I, I liked him, and uh, just the the course of this, like, uh, look high, it's my last hope, Trevor Guerrero coming off the top rope. I get that yeah. kid feeling of like, this is your superhero. He, if when he is coming off the top rope, literally nothing can stand in his way. Like, yeah. it could be fucking like, uh, fucking uh, Sauron and with the ring. And as long as if Chavo Guerrero can get to the fucking top rope and come off like <laughs> and come off good, like he can just yeah. drop that fucking elbow or double axe handle handle, and that dude is fucking finished. <laughs> And I, I yep. really get that that powerful, like, this is my hero nostalgia from this song. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, I will say Legend of Travagura is, so if I if I had top four, that'd probably be in it. Um, yeah, but it's, for it, honestly, like, um, uh, so listening to it this time, uh, Animal Mask is another one that sticks out a lot for me. I like Animal Mask a lot. Um, I do highly recommend re-listening to it with the context of, it's a love song. It's a love song from somebody. It's, it's a nostalgic nostalgic country love song yeah about someone who used well had partnered with somebody else or you know it's kind of sounds like their partnership isn't a thing anymore and they're kind of like looking back on it like longingly yeah. well, i mean like, yeah it's, it's oh, the remember, nostalgia cause remember when we were animal, yeah. we were like young and animal mask we together animal mask was tagging with this guy and then animal mask had a heel exactly. turn he probably had a heel turn on his partner and then it's possible and then like you know uh time passes uh, Bruiser Brody gets stabbed to death in San Juan, and then, and then Animal <laughs> Mask has uh, had a full heel run and has a werewolf gimmick now, and is like an old vet and doesn't need to be at rehearsal. And then he's like, and then he comes down, and like does an unmask, and either and like his, uh, I'm I'm going to now in my head canon imagine that the person uh, the singer of Unmask is talking about is his old partner, and is like, oh, when I take my mask off, it's like you feel relieved and it's just like, uh, people can see the way I see you now. And then animal mask has his final match where he gets his hair cut off because he already had an unmasked fight. And now he's going to have his final loss where he uh, loses his hair. And then he's going to, he's going to retire like bull Ramos. 
you know, I kind of like that. I like that reading a lot. I never really, so this, and I, I really appreciate making you listen to this. Cause I never got that perspective of like a character insert really like a, or like a, I don't know, like a made up, like, you know, obviously like I, I knew not all of this is biographical, like not like obviously like legend of Chava Guerrero. Um, now I know stabbed out, stabbed death outside of San Juan, which I kind of always assumed had kind of like a, historical context to it yeah uh, but never really knew the definitive um and then Battle of Ramos I knew was for sure um but I never really got that like follow through of hey some of these might be about the same wrestler like I kind of like some of them definitely fit together um but I never really thought about it in that exact way so I like that that's cool that's, that's good. yeah that's, that's definitely way. how I'm how I'm uh reading it from now cool <laughs> okay so cool, um, cool. let's go ahead and make uh, a cocktail uh, to go along with this here album. Let's do it. And uh, go ahead and uh, open your extracurricular materials there because uh, I think <laughs> I already have uh, a drink I want to propose as the drink for uh, this album. You take it to the next level, Adam. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, uh, this is actually a, uh, a special cocktail uh, that was the last cocktail... Uh, I put on the special board when I was working in Melbourne before I left. And nice. this is a collaboration between me and another bartender who were working there. And he, uh, I, he just, he started working there just before I left and I only barely got to know him. But one of the things we connected on really fast was, uh, we were both into, into wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we had this, uh, drink that we were going to make for, uh, Margarita day, like international Margarita day. And so the drink yep. is uh, a chili-infused uh, tequila. So he just, like, took a real long pepper chili and just, like, dropped into a, a thing of tequila for a day. Came out very mm-hmm. spicy. Uh, Ooh, nice. Fresh lime juice, uh, good agave nectar, uh, just salt on the rim. So a very classic, uh, like, Tommy's margarita. And then uh, mm-hmm. really fancy garnish uh, of a charred pineapple on top there. Nice. And uh, we were like, all right, what should we call this? And uh, I suggested Latino Heat because that is the theme song that Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero came out to in the WWE. And it's just like, Latino Heat, Latino Heat. And then at the nice. very bottom of the chalkboard, <laughs> we wrote in really tiny text, I lie, I cheat, I steal, which was Eddie Guerrero's uh, like catchphrase and like uh, later renditions of his uh, of his theme song just had the uh, backing vocals of Latino Heat, and then Eddie Guerrero just going a la a cheat a steal, a la a cheat a steal, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, that is that absolutely like this is what this especially like Chavo Guerrero like Legend of Chavo Guerrero being my favorite song in this album that is absolutely what it makes me think of. You know what? I'm super. I'm super okay with that. That's pretty great. I mean, you're tying like actual stuff into it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, so when I I left Melbourne, uh, I got a text message like when I was I think I was I was somewhere in Christchurch at the time because I was like stopping back through there before I came back to the U.S. And I got a text message from my manager at that restaurant, and he's like, "Hey, um, can I talk to you about this?" And he sent me that picture of just the message of just like little uh, line at the bottom. That says, I lie, mm-hmm. I cheat, I steal. And he's like, hey, um, 
what's this about? <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to like, I, I was super jet lagged. I woke up and I was just like, ah, okay. How can I say this in the fewest words to not have to talk to this guy for the rest of my life? I was just like, uh, <laughs> I think I, I worded it really succinctly and I was proud of how fast I got the information to him. I was like, uh, if it's a reference to Eddie Guerrero, which is also where we got the reference for the uh, cocktail name Latino Heat, uh, ask Mark about it. <laughs> it's, and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, all right, all right. It's, it's all a right, reference right. to professional it's, wrestling. It's, it's not. I did not steal from the fucking <laughs> register before I skipped country. I didn't lie, cheat, and steal you no, no, out of it money. Is, it is a, a, <laughs> a, a funny reference to a professional wrestler. That is all. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm 100 percent cool with that being the cocktail idea for this. This that, yeah, fuck man, absolutely, absolutely. I don't have any like explicit ideas. I didn't. I was kind of busy like thinking about this, trying to think about this album in a new perspective, and trying to think about it as something I was presenting to someone who didn't really know Mountain Goats to really think too much about a cocktail on it. I think if I did have to make a cocktail. I'd probably base it on werewolf gimmicks somehow, but I don't know where I would go with that. Probably base it on what? Werewolf gimmick. Oh, werewolf gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that that's something. Something wolfsbane. I don't know. Is wolf is wolfsbane an actual flower? I believe. I think it has a different name, but yeah, wolfsbane is a thing. I think. I'm pretty sure it's real. Let me let me Google it's it right now. It's a very man. spicy uh, tea syrup <laughs> with tequila, of course, because it's southwestern territory. Okay, I think that was uh, I think that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I. So it's called yeah. Monk's Hood. Will Spain's thing. I did not uh think I was going to, uh, like this as much as I did. Cool. So yeah, good. so yeah, I will say that. Cool. I, how much would how much would you say you liked it? Uh, on a, a scale from one to kickflips, uh, sure. I, uh, I listened to. Uh, this album three times all together this week uh, and most of that was out of uh, professionalism but I did listen <laughs> to uh, Werewolf Gimmick Foreign Object and uh, The Legend of Chavo Guerrero uh, several mm. times just on their own because I wanted to hear those words in my head again Nice. Cool. That makes me happy at least. And I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, it's not, so I think it's, it's, I was comparing this a lot to Hamilton while I was listening through it again. Cause I, I mean, obviously it's the last thing that I like, I fully listened to new. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to give you something new to listen to as well. Um, and I found myself going back to Hamilton several times. Um, not, but not to listen to all of it, just to listen to it and to listen to certain songs in particular, because I feel like it's harder for me to listen to individual songs from Hamilton. If that makes any sense. I, I have to listen yeah, to, cause those like, those really don't work. It's out. so contextual. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas like, you know, I feel like this, I mean, in general, like music, more music focused albums, not like musical focused albums, um, our music, like musicals in general, um, are easier to listen to out of context. Like, yeah, obviously, like, you know, you can listen to Legend of Travis Guerrero, Foreign Object, uh, Werewolf Gimmick, Palatable Ramos. You can listen to all of those completely out of context of this album and they will work. Yeah. And I think there's the other songs in this, like, not that they don't work, 
necessarily, not that they're not good songs, but I think they work better in context. Yes, I agree. That makes sense. I, like they're interstitial songs. I will say that like, after we're done with this, I'm uh, going to listen to Legend of Chavo Guerrero, and I'm probably going to listen mm-hmm. to Animal Gimmick. Yeah. Cool. And I'm going to put cool. uh, Werewolf Gimmick on my workout mix, and I'm going to put uh, Chavo Guerrero <laughs> on my daily mix. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that you found songs on this that you really enjoyed. That makes me happy in general. Because I mean, I, I think you know, there's like most of these songs I'm not going to listen to all the time. But you know, I I will absolutely listen to a few of them out of the context of this album. And like I'm, I'll probably listen to Hamilton a couple more times uh, in the next couple weeks. But I don't know. Uh, more or less, I'll probably only after the next couple months, I'll probably only listen to a few of the songs out of context yeah yeah i can definitely um, see that so yeah you know I, I feel good about that i'm glad you liked it um are you into the idea of listening to more mountain goats from after listening to this uh, album? i am into the idea of listening to more mountain goats but not for cool. uh, a good minute no yeah that's super fair i'm not gonna it, if i pick another album it's not gonna be mountain goats album i'm gonna hold on to that for a little bit um because i definitely can talk about them a lot um and i think giving you some space on it would probably be the better idea yes I'm also trying really hard to figure out uh, what album I would pick next because I really have no idea. Uh, um, I want to. I do want to say that listening to this album mm-hmm. was a bit of extra work for me this week because uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ninja Sex Party released their third cover album this week, <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck!" Every time I like at first time I started listening to this, I was just like, "I just want to listen to uh, that third cover album again." <laughs> Which, hey, that's which fair. I did end up doing. I uh, even though I listened to this album three times this week, I did listen to like uh, four uh, NSP albums like back to back. That's super fair. Uh, I mean, there was a couple times where like I was gonna go to listen to this so I can like listen to it more before the podcast, but I already listened to it like three times. Like it was like this morning when I was opening the bar, I was like, man, like I. I really should listen to to uh, Beat the Champ again so I can have it kind of fresher in my memory. But like, I'm opening the bar and I just really need something like really upbeat. So I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm gonna listen to Hamilton yeah. again oh, nice. because Hamilton just gets me going. I'm like, like I was literally just like, you know, I've listened to it like I don't know, like six or seven times already, and I'm still the first like six or seven songs just get just, me in the groove I'm, and that's like exactly enough time for me to open the bar at least it takes like an hour to open yeah. the bar downstairs um so i'm like, really happy to hear that then yeah yeah i really like hamilton a lot it's very good it's gonna stick with me for a while Excellent. i think okay well um, uh we have yeah. talked an extra long time uh about this one but i think it, it deserved it uh so join yeah, us thank you. Uh, I'm join us you next week that. uh when we will be discussing uh march 1969 <laughs> Just uh, the general concept of the month of March in the year of 1969. Um, And we're probably going to, it seems like we're going to stick pretty closely to uh, contemporary uh, North American history in that month. (laughs) And 69. Yes. Uh, March of 1969. Because 69 is a very important month. Also, I'm, uh, I'm really glad that we were able to talk for, you know, I mean, I, I don't think this is super longer than we have on other album or other stuff that we've done. But um, I was a little worried we wouldn't be able to fill all the time out. So I'm glad that we were able to and that you had a lot of input on it. I agree. Yes, this I I had more to say about this than I thought I would. Good, good. That makes me happy because honestly, I was 
a little worried that it would just end up being like a really short one or it would be mostly just me just gushing on the mountain goats <laughs> for way too it long. Was, Although I did it was do about it. a half hour of you gushing on the mountain goats and then we got into the album. <laughs> it's like, it was like 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay, I think we can, I think we can end, the, end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Good night, everybody. Cool. Good night, guys. Hey, I'm Adam. And I'm Logan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Adam1Z4J2. And you can find me at Redenfield, R-E-D-D-E-N-F-I-E-L-D. And if you just want to get in touch with us like directly just for the podcast, you can go ahead and email us at OverlyHornyBostonBusDriver at gmail.com. Logan, how do you, how do you spell that? Okay, I'm not spelling that, but it is overly horny Boston bus driver, all one word, no spaces, no caps at gmail.com. Pretty easy to figure out. Looking, looking forward to your emails, everybody. Sure are. <laughs>